You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Deadair Nipe here with always... Typical Lydia. On today's show, we're going to be tackling 1980s prom night. Before we do, one of our loyal listeners has asked us a question, and it's a weird question. It's weird because it's not, it's not a question so much about us, so I don't know. It, it's like a Wikipedia question. That's okay. It's a weird question because they're weird people. Shoot. <laughs> so the question is as followed. Recently watched the old Frankenstein movie. What would the reason be for the odd choice of the square head and the neck bolts? Okay, so the 1931 Frankenstein movie uh, kind of lit the world on fire and really put Universal on the map. But it put another person on the map, too, and it was a guy named Jack Pierce. Uh, Jack Pierce was kind of an anomaly back in the old days in film because, typically speaking, actors would do their own makeup. Uh, they would have makeup kits. Famously, uh, Lon Chaney Sr. would mm-hmm. perform his own makeup in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, uh, The Phantom of the Opera, London After Midnight, uh, those types of things. Uh, Jack Pierce came along and was like, no, 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 I'm going to be a makeup guy. I'm going to just do this. Um, so he cut his teeth on films like... In the silent era, he was doing stuff like The Man Who Laughs. He was responsible for Conrad Veet's uh, sort of rictus grin uh, in that movie. And then he went on to... He had a, he participated in Dracula, uh, 1931's Dracula, but not that much. Bill Lugosi was very much an old-school actor who did his own makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he started working with Boris Karloff on Frankenstein. And that is when he really had a say in what things were going to look like. and But it wasn't just him, though. It was conversations with him and Karloff. They both contributed to that overall look. And it's completely unique to the film and has become what people associate Frankenstein's monster with. This is what it looks like. When anybody who's familiar with Mary Shelley's work would know, the creature was not described like that whatsoever. Uh, Probably more similar to 1901's uh, Edison Frankenstein interpretation of the character is even closer to Mary Shelley's descriptions than what the Universal film became. So there's it's conflicting because there's not a solid... This is why he did this, and this is why he did that. If you look at the art direction of the movie, if you look at old art direction photos, you could see that original concept art for the creature was a little bit more stitched together, a little bit more hunchbacky, a little bit more mongoloid-like. There was one image, if I'm not mistaken, that was very robotic. I don't know if it was a robot or something. So I think it might have been... A combination of that. The bolts on the neck are uh, electrodes, and that is just, I'm assuming that they're there for like a practical reason, like you're reviving this creature via electricity, so that's why you have that on the head. From what I understand, Jack Pierce explained that the flat top was literally just the idea that you're crudely removing the top of somebody's head to replace the brain with another brain, and putting it back down on top, so you're going to make the skull something like a box lid, 
and that was kind of the rationale. I don't, I don't know. Like to my knowledge, there, there was not like this is why I did this, this is why I did that. It's just what the creature ended up looking like. Um, Jack Pierce, uh, the makeup effects were accomplished with like cotton and collagen, and collagen is like this liquid that turns into like a plastic almost, and it sticks really. It's painful. From what I understand, it's awful. Yeah, I use it uh, to make fake scars. There was once I'd uh, dress myself up as Cynthia from Nightface, and I had scars all over. Oh, and right, right. I've, people use them uh, to make the Joker grin. It's not that painful, but it is uncomfortable. Oh, okay. And you should put spirit gum under it because it can like peel off. So you're going to have layers of makeup and this yeah. stuff. This uh, process took hours. Um, Jack Pierce had a kind of a bad reputation with a lot of actors uh, because of the fact that the process was so long and he was somewhat indifferent. Uh, Stern, from what I understand, um, uh, he was an old school guy. I mean, you're dealing with a dude that you know, just sort of, this is the way I know how to do it and this is how we're doing it. And you can, I mean, like Lon Chaney Jr. had a lot of problems with him. I know Bill Lugosi didn't get along with him. Uh, a lot of those actors from that era, him and Karloff always uh, got along swimmingly. I think Karloff had a reputation of being a pretty mellow guy. And I think that they, I mean, like, you know, you're talking, like Jack Pierce was responsible for the look of Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, um, the mummy, uh, the, that, amazing makeup effects for Karloff in the original Mummy movie. Uh, like, even working with, uh, like, Karloff over the years in any universal thing, but by the time the late 40s rolled around, uh, he had sort of aged himself out of the business. Uh, people had sort of moved on to more modern techniques, uh, rubber, uh, latex, and all that kind of stuff, and he just... He didn't want to learn it, so he just stopped. Universal dropped him, and that was kind of it. But I guess to yeah to answer your question, it was probably a lot of conversations with Karloff and Jack Pierce in a room, working on the makeup, deciding what works, what didn't, what looked good on film, and what didn't. And uh, yeah, the overall look became indelible. So yeah, yeah. not quite as scary as a stitch-up cadaver. Could or should be. No, but I mean, for the time, it would have been between like how gaunt Karloff was naturally, the fact that like he had false teeth and he would take them out and that gave his like a really sunken in look to his face. Um, everything about that makeup uh, was so weird and shocking for the time people had never seen anything like that and now when you look at it you're like oh how quaint like like <laughs> four-year-olds have little halloween costumes with like cartoon frankenstein monsters on them and and so yeah it's not scary to us in the least bit but i mean i mean i always like to put myself back in the places of audiences in those days try to like imagine what would this have been like never really seeing anything like this i mean some people not seeing a movie because it wasn't like entertainment that was so readily available that everyone could go see a movie not like it is today i mean like the movie like you look at it and it's like god like what would you even rate it now like pg and yeah. like if that yeah like if if that and but um, the movie's so shocking that they had to have that ridiculous warning at the front of it, like, you, you know, because, but, but like, what's disturbed and upset people back then were so different. I mean, the idea that 
oh, you're walking across a gravestone and you're digging up graves you're, or, or, or like you're making fun of like a cruciform. Well, that's blasphemous. And that's so shocking and we can't have that in a movie. It's just different times. I mean, I love that movie and I love that makeup. And uh, I think that Karloff had the exact look. Jack Pierce had the exact skill that was required for the time. And it just came out awesome. And yeah, there's your very long-winded... I didn't... Like, I didn't mean to turn into, like, Turner Classics. No, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. It's important to, you know, pay attention to our roots. And I'm glad that you have such a wealth of knowledge, because I certainly do not. Well, you know, originally, when I started uh, Splatter Pictures, it was... My reviews were not so much reviews as they were, like, history lessons. Yeah, timelines of where these things, like, where it's a derivative of. Yeah, um, and, and I didn't mean that in a shitty way. I never wanted people to think that I'm, like, shitting on modern horror or anything like that. I'm like, oh, well, this is all derivative of that and you need to, like... No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I love uh, contemporary horror. No, I don't think you come across that way, but it's yeah. important because, yeah. you know, we can watch a movie and be like, oh, this is just like that movie. This is just like that movie. But it's no different than listening to a band and saying, oh, they sound like this and they sound like that. Yeah. A lot of musicians really hate it when people do that. And I don't blame them in a way, but it's, it depends on like the feeling of the person saying it. There's a big difference between saying like, um, you know, this sounds a lot like, um, my chemical romance, black parade and mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. Oh well, uh, nice job there, guys. You basically like totally ripped off the Blackberry. Like, I, I think I've heard this already. Mm-hmm. I think like My Chemical Romance called and they want their album back. Like, yeah. there's a big difference between yeah. being like, that. and it's all people like think of your favorite makeup artists in horror right now. Anybody that's working in the creature shops and stuff like that, they all owe something to Jack Pierce. I mean, there there's there's certain techniques that are still used today um, that are the basis of what he had done. Um, even though, like, it is kind of sad the way that he aged himself out of his profession. I mean, it is nice to know that, like, there are people that still use uh, uh, some of the techniques, not the not the materials, because mm-hmm. we've edged past that. But um, yeah, so you have edged past that into fucking school glue and toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, look, it's it's not all gonna be. It's not all gonna be like huge appliances and stuff like that but yeah um i i i I love the classic era of horror i think that it's just cool i just i just really dig old horror i love the silent era i love the universal era i love the hammer era and and but of course like i also love modern stuff too like i'm all over the place but i've watched lots i get bored to death by it but it's it, it it It's just a different time. I think what people want, modern audiences, what they want, what they expect, and and, and certainly what you as a horror fan want out of of movies, okay, you're not always going to get it from that. You're not going to get the same thrill uh, from kind of like a slower-paced gothic uh, horror. And then honestly, like, sometimes things can come off as just straight up goofy. Oh yeah, try and watch Tower of Terror. Yeah. Yeah, with a modern horror fan. I doubt it will even happen. Or, um, you know, uh, one of the most praised uh, of the old Universal eras is The Bride of Frankenstein, uh, the sequel, which Jack Pierce also responsible for the bride's look in that Mm -hmm. film. Like, there is moments in that movie that I find really hard to watch. Like the the weird bits of comedy, like Doctor Pretorius is a good character until he busts out the, the his 
I shrink people and I've made a king and I've made a mermaid and I've made the devil and and I'm <laughs> these whole scenes dedicated to this shit and I'm like fuck man this is considered by many woolly-haired critics as the perfect gothic horror and I just can't get past the weird awkward laughs and the over-the-top performances by some of the characters and it's just it was a different time and and honestly I get lost in that I get lost in if I'm watching a movie from the 1920s or 30s or 40s I'm just like I can't believe that this is so old <laughs> you know what I mean or like I was like and then, but then I start thinking about things that have nothing to do with the movie and I'm going on a big tangent and we are going to get to prom night but like so many times I just sit there and I'm like what was the what was their life like? And But you could get a snippet, an idea of what it was like, but not really... Because you're watching a movie and you're watching actors and you're watching... And they're not even in like being represented in the era in which the, the movies were actually filmed a lot of the times. Unless you're dealing with like something out of the universal horror, or like out of like the, the classic like sort of monster films of those that era. But like I still think it's like, man, they closed that set. What did everyone do? Like... Like, I, I don't know, like, I just, I just, I, I, like, these are the things that I, like, think about when I'm watching really old horror movies and thinking about, like, wow, everyone who worked on this is dead. Like, super dead. And yet you sit here with me. And their children are dead. Like, you know, well, not necessarily, but, like, um, depending on how old it is, but, yeah, like, it's crazy. And then, and then, so, how much, so much has been lost. And uh, so when things survive, I'm always just, like, super impressed. And we'll get to that when we get to a, an episode coming up about wonderful things that are here and shouldn't be. And everyone who made them are dead. And everyone. <laughs> but you know who um, is, is, is still alive? Uh, Paul Lynch. And he directed <laughs> uh, Prom Night. Before we get into Prom Night, actually, I'm going to derail us even further. Oh, okay. Because if you're interested in the more modern effects... Uh, Tom Savini will be at Fan Expo, and you're going next week. Yeah, I'll be at Fan Expo next week, you and Tom Savini check will be that there. Out. Our, my friend Dave Pacebanella will be um, moderating his panel. Mm -hmm. So if you have a chance, definitely check out the Tom Savini bit. There's going to be a Edgar Allan Poe versus H.P. Lovecraft yes. thing as well with Sean Moreland from Ottawa. Oh. So just a lot of uh, Ottawa and our, and our extended horror family ties to the Fan Expo next weekend in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm gonna sure be... Tom Savini would, would have a lot to say about the generations of effects and the change between uh, using like spirit gum, nose wax, or whatever the hell <laughs> that stuff was called, <laughs> liquid collagen and stuff like that, <laughs> to what the materials that he uses and his like patented, no, not patented, but his more famous recipes for blood and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I always like hearing him talk. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy that is just obviously a master in his craft, and who admits himself uh, admits himself that you know he was definitely inspired by Jack Pierce's work. Huge. Um, so yeah, but I'll, I'll be I'll be at Fan Expo next weekend, and I, I'm I'm whisking in and I'm whisking out Phantom in the Night. Yeah, I'm hoping that panel's in. If you can catch it, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'll be there for the Saturday, so uh, it's going to be really exciting, and I'm definitely going to be dipping my toes and making sure that everyone knows who I am. Yes. I'm an important person. I'm not an important person. 
You'll have to say hi to everyone for me. I will have to say hi to everyone for. But I feel like I'll feel awkward because I, I'm just like, hey, everybody. It's like, oh, hey, it's you. Where's Lydia? <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have to explain a lot where you are. I'm just like, she's not here. Like, Doing whatever oh. it is that typical Lydia does. Yeah, it's like, you, and they'll be like, do you, do you know what she's doing? Is she gonna be here? Like, no. Oh, it's like you can talk to me though. I no should offense. be, and maybe if you have a chance, or if anyone else in the world has a chance, because this won't air till afterward. Um, the Horror Writers Association is going to be there, and that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know who else isn't dead? Who's that? Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis is not dead. We can get back to our point before before people listen to this podcast and are like, they fucking had it. The title says Prom Night, and they talked about <laughs> Universal Monsters for like 40 minutes. All they do is yuck for an hour. I, I plainly fast forward through podcasts. So you know what? If you're just meeting us here at this point in your fast forward adventure through the beginning of the show, hey, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Do people a favor. Mark the time. And then after you've suffered through this conversation... Just in the comments, timestamp it. They actually start talking about prom night here. I do that. I definitely do that. <laughs> For the interesting part, go to like 56 minutes and start there. <laughs> yeah, it's, we won't. We don't yak that long. It's all right. And no. it's all very important horror information. It's it's rich horror history, and, and we need to be aware of it. And yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I like to sound like a smarty pants, too. I'm not always the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm like a patented version of dumb. Oh my god. <laughs> so this movie Prom Night, guys. What about it? Gee whiz. It's exciting for me because we're doing Canadian horror. We're doing one of Jamie Lee Curtis's trilogy of slashers that she did. Obviously the most famous would be in Halloween. And then right after she did Prom Night. And then next up for her was Terror Train. This movie has a really interesting aspect to her being her involvement, which I find well I find it endlessly fascinating. Was that her representation called them to be in this movie. Which is just weird to me in a way cuz it's just this little Canadian film, right? It was, like it, this it little was a, Canadian slasher. It was a little Canadian slasher. Kind of riding the coattails of like Black Christmas and uh, Halloween. Just kind of mm, want to Yeah. You know. In fact, Paul Lynch had said that it really was Halloween and that made him interested in wanting to do a horror film and then he wanted to set it around another event and somehow prom night got picked. They were having trouble getting financing for this movie, so it might have not even happened. And all of a sudden, Jamie Lee Curtis's management calls them and says, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis wants to do the part. You have to understand that after Halloween, that I mean, that movie was massive. And Jamie Lee Curtis became massive to the point where she probably didn't have to do the slasher movie at all. She, like, it, like, it seemed kind yeah, of... She probably had more tangible prospects. Absolutely. Sort of like her film career after. Yeah, know? I mean, like... Her Jamie, amazing film career. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is, is an actress that's never stopped working. Mm-hmm. And to the point now that, like, some people nowadays might not even realize that she got her start in, in a lot of horror films, and good ones, too. Once she was on board, then the movie got financing. Funny how that works. And they're like, <laughs> oh, well, now you have... A bankable star in this, so now the the money comes, and then the movie gets made. And the idea behind the flick is a group of children are playing 
what would you call it? Like some kind of... It's almost like chain tag. Killer tag. It's killer tag. Yeah, it's killer tag. So the idea is, is they're in this old dilapidated building out in the middle of nowhere. My favorite kinds of buildings. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it looks very old. Yeah, it's actually not even in the middle of nowhere. An actual, actual fact, because it's like downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. basically. And it was one of our first provincial lunatic asylums when they still called places lunatic asylums. Did they really call it a lunatic yeah, it was asylum? A provincial lunatic asylum. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was like how they don't call orphanages orphanages anymore? No. And they don't even call them psychiatric facilities anymore. Really? You know, they're just they're just hospitals. Like the Ontario Hospital and the Royal. The Royal. Yeah. yeah, the Royal. It probably was like the Royal Lunatic Asylum at one point. And they thought that was too racy. So then they called it like the uh, psychiatric hospital. And that was too much. So yeah, we've, we've, we've PC'd everything up all in here. Uh, but it is like... Um, what's that? Session nine was filmed in a really similar building because they're all. Mm. I don't think these are Kirkbride plan buildings like all the famous like Trans Allegheny and all the really amazing, beautiful old uh, lunatic asylums when they were lunatic asylums. What back back when you could say lunatic asylum? When, yeah, when you could say lunatic <laughs> asylum. But um, it is it is built on the same sort of plan, so it's about the same sort of age, built in 1850, and the building therein is like a, a, a newer wing from like 1913. So. Uh, it's that old and yeah totally like scummy and mildewy and gross no power yeah windows are busted out so the elements have had their way yeah it's a very creepy building the kind of place i would have loved to spend every day in as a child Mm -hmm. playing killer tag with all my friends (laughs) so another little girl joins them in their game uninvited i guess she just sort of came across them playing her and her siblings well they're pals of some sort you know, oh, neighborhood kids. kids. It's not like yeah. they were strangers. Yeah. They definitely knew who she was. Yeah. So they start playing this game, and or they continue playing this game. She's involved, and every time someone gets found, I guess they become killers, too. And then you're supposed to hunt everybody down. For some reason, I don't get this. And right after we watch this again, I've seen this movie a couple of times now, I still don't understand why they're getting so hyped did you never play with friends as a kid? Did you ever never play something like Killer Tag? Did you not just hear how much fucking information I gave about Jack Pierce's career off the top of my head? No. no I didn't have any yeah. friends as a kid. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right. I get I hear you. I get it. It's true. I know, I spent my days playing ridiculous games like that with neighborhood kids in places we shouldn't be, like abandoned lunatic asylums. Um and it's just the theatric of it all. They're just there's probably a term for this, and I wish I could have researched this a little more. But mm-hmm. like they're just enraptured in play. They're caught up in the theatrics of it. They are playing the characters of killers. They are killers in their mind. And the only thing that could really bust them up is having the right mom come in at the right time with the right tray full of fucking treats and oh, be like, really? "Hey kids, calm down. Here's your chips," or something like that. That might snap them out of it. Yeah. Um, other than that, no other kid is going to snap them out of it. True. Because they're, they've gone total Lord of the Flies. You know? They really have gone yeah. Lord of the Flies now that you mention it. They really, they're that caught up in their game. They are killers and there's nothing that could snap them out. There's no amount of her pleading or saying like, what are you guys doing? Or, you know, stop that would stop them because that's what victims say to killers. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're just totally caught up in their play acting. And you can tell that the spell does break. Once this little girl tumbles out a window, she keeps backing up from them. 
uh, and they're coming at her chanting uh, chanting kill 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 kill, kill. kill. Um, she falls to her death and then right then and there say well we're not going to talk about this yeah you got some shock and remorse but then you have the ringleader Wendy Wendy saying yeah. no we're going home and we're not going to say a word yep uh, they all agree to it pretty quickly I, I suppose like there's she's just like well we're all going to go to jail if they find out about this, we're going to go to prison. You know, it was like that thing that you, I guess you would say that. I mean, I don't think they would send a bunch of kids to prison. Because honestly, like, would you go to prison for that? Like, to, to, to chant around somebody to scare them to the point that they fell out a window? That's not murder. No, and it's not. It's not. It would have been more helpful to think in the mind of a child if they would have said, and I don't think they did, if, they w- if one of them would have um, offered the information that maybe they're not allowed to play there. That would be even more believable to me, that kids aren't afraid that they're going to go to jail forever for killing somebody. They're more afraid that their mom will find out they're playing in the abandoned building that they Um, weren't allowed to go to. That would make a lot more sense to me, but, you know, kids will be kids. We're instantly brought to the present day of 1980, uh, and we're introduced, reintroduced to all the characters now who are adults or old teenagers. Old teenagers. They all look older than I do. They do. There's they, one point way later in the film where this is like bearded, mustachioed gentleman in a suit comes around the corner, oh and I'm God, like, yeah. "Whoa, West student, student or teacher?" They all look because you can't tell. They easily all look in their twenties. Some of them look like they could be in their thirties. Yeah. Um, especially some of the guys at that prom. Yeah, it's true. It's um, true. They have full beards and they're tall and they're like really built and all the women look like swimsuit models. So like, yeah, they all don't look 17. None of them do. No, not whatsoever. Uh, and uh, well, it's the anniversary of Robin's death. Robin's death and also prom night. So obviously uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her brother are getting ready for that. Her parents, her dad played by uh, Leslie Nielsen doing a dramatic role. Back in the day, Leslie Nielsen was known for doing a lot of uh, dramatic roles. Forbidden Planet always sticks out in my mind because I really liked that movie as a kid. Um, But then as he kind of went on in in years, like Airplane and all the Naked Gun movies, he became like a spoof comedy, like a very specific type of comedic movie star where it's one of those movies that there's like a joke every five seconds like either a visual gag or whatever uh in this he's he's playing it real straight like super straight yeah which is great yeah i I like him in this i mean leslie nielsen when i was a kid i loved leslie nielsen comedies because it was that sort of manic shit that like a kid would like as i got older and i started seeing him in dramatic roles i started thinking to myself what a shame that he didn't. I mean, I get it. You want to do the comedy and and wherever your paychecks are going, and, and he apparently was like a really funny guy in real life, so he probably didn't mind doing it. But it was nice to see him in another dramatic role. I just, it, I mean, the guy could definitely play a couple shades, right? Even though like his comedy was based about him being like the ultimate straight man, but uh, I don't know. Like, I just really liked him in this movie. Very believable. He's their principal. So it's like this weird thing where like. Like it's almost like a like a plot of a sitcom where it's like <laughs> we're, my brother and and me are in high school and our dad is the principal. Do 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 do. Yeah, like, no, that's exactly what it could feel like. But it's done really well. They all get along really well, and no one in the school really teases them too too much. There's only one no. point where it's mentioned 
like you know thrown in their faces that their dad's a principal yeah. but it, they all you know it seems to be very natural um i do wonder if robin and her brother were twins not only because they're wearing the same stripy little turtlenecks mm-hmm. that look so cute i like those shirts yeah. so much i even have a shirt like that um because he is he is mourning her death more than anybody else, of yeah. course. I don't know if it's mentioned, but they look like twins and they dress alike, so I'm just assuming they were twins. Well, she uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, she mentioned that had Robin lived, she would be in her junior, junior year of high school. So was her brother in junior year? I don't know. That would be even more ridiculous to me because that would mean that he was supposed to be like... Like, what would you say? Like, like how old are you in, in your first year of high school? Like, 14 or something like that? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. I, it's been a long time since I've been in high school. I was young in school because my birthday is later in the year. So I was always younger than everybody else, everyone mm-hmm. else. And I was shorter than everybody else, too. So You're still shorter than everybody I know, else. right? <laughs> but at any rate, we're introduced to everyone again. Uh, Wendy is just as fierce and mean as ever. Scowling. Yeah, as that ringleader of the killer tag game. I know. Yeah, yeah, horrible girl. But, but it's interesting because it's not like a lot of them are still friends. Jamie Lee Curtis has no idea what actually happened. Yeah, because she had gone back to the school to retrieve a, a textbook that a, she'd a book, forgotten. Yeah, yeah. The other, everyone else seems to know, um, but doesn't really. I mean, they don't have a lot of interaction with each other, but the interactions that they do have with each other, uh, they don't seem to be too phased by it. The only one that seems to harbor guilt is Wendy's ex-boyfriend, now Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend. God, what was his name? Was it Nick? Yeah, it was Nick. At one point when Jamie Lee Curtis is, is lamenting the fact that her sister's not alive and this would have been her first prom, he, he seems on the verge of wanting to, but how do you... How the fuck do you bring that up? Oh, uh, yeah, like he's I I saw her die, you know. Yeah, and then is, he's edging into this the story, but yeah, because it, it seems to it, it's it's easily understood that okay, what the kids probably said was yeah, they were playing. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis saw him playing there where his sister died, but all they really had to say was oh well. I don't know, like she got away from us and we didn't see what happened. And then next thing we knew, she... The cops were there. Yeah, yeah. the cops were there and like, what's happening? I we... feel sorry for Nick in, in, in a way because not only has he been when, under Wendy's thumb all this time, like they probably started dating that day. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> she put her fucking meat hooks in him firm. And he's only recently dumped her and is having a really hard time because she's still like being this like pushy bitch and she, right? she she's still into him wants to get back together he has to be very firm with her very oh, yeah. cold just to, to get the point yeah across and and even his dad is like didn't you dump her like didn't you break up weeks ago so this has been going on for quite some time that she's still like trying to convince him to remain his her girlfriend her girlfriend whatever yeah in trying a relationship. to remain yeah trying to remain in a relationship with her so not only has he been under her I mean, there's been that looming threat ever since that day mm-hmm. that one of them's going to roll over on the other, or if one of them does, they'll be ostracized by the group or whatever. Mm-hmm. Horrible fears because Wendy's definitely reminded them through the years why they should never speak of it. Mm-hmm. So he's probably heard the most of that being her boyfriend. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. He's probably being tormented with this the most, not only feeling the most guilty, but definitely being tormented with this the most. And now he's faced with being in love with 
uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. So I don't even know if it's nat- necessarily him falling in love with her so so quickly. He's probably just felt really, really, really horrible and wanted to be close to her all this time because of what they've done. Mm-hmm. And having to have that constant reminder of his wicked girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why these people are still friends. It, it would be crazy to me. And I honestly think that you it is a smaller town. Um, they all live near each other, I guess. I suppose if something, if a tragedy like that happened, what you would want to do is try to maintain some level of normalcy, either to put on airs for other people or to make yourself feel better. Like, no, it's fine. See, we're all fine. This is fine. This is fine, guys. (laughs) I I think, I, I suppose scenes that you wouldn't include in the movie would be quiet moments throughout the years with each of these characters struggling with the idea that what they've been responsible for and and what they would do because this isn't like this isn't like an i know what you did last summer thing where it's like oh they killed somebody and then next year it all comes bite to bite them in the ass this has been going on for you know a a decade at least Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and or three or four, depending on how old the actors appear in the film. Exactly. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so I, I mean, you would have to imagine that they've been struggling with this really hard. And but I suppose like it gets to the point where it's like, well, how do we say it now? Why say anything? It's in the past, and 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 was it really our fault? And and you know, well, it's like, still going to brew on their minds. They're oh, all bound sure. together by intimacy, and they probably talked about it over the years. And sort of tried to smooth it out for their own mental health. Yeah. But I'd like to think that they just go the way of like the kids in It, where they all sort of just scattered. They all yeah, get together scattered. like years later, but like they have nothing in common. They do not hang out. They don't really talk. And then they're like, oh yeah. shit, the clown's a spider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. But they all just, they all just scattered. Yeah. Right? So. I, that's what I would think. Like, it's weird to me. And I grew up in a smaller town, too. I have friends that I had had in kindergarten, for sure. Mm-hmm. So that part isn't entirely weird to me, but then they're so close and they're so tight and yeah. so normal. Like, well, I still feel like Wendy weird. is definitely the still outside of the group because she spends 90% of the film staring at them all from a distance with her arms crossed, just yeah. scowling, just Wow, what an agitated woman. I've noticed her scowling and stuff, but now that you mention, most of her screen time is alone, too. Yeah, yeah. And with the exception of her uh, new squeeze. Lou. Lou. <laughs> She's usually isolated in the frame alone, too, though. Even she if she's is. In a room with but, people, I mean, like, even yeah. as reprehensible as, as Lou is. I just want to talk about Lou. That guy has goons. Oh, God. But, like, she doesn't have... And so you might think that she definitely has a couple of friends around her here in the locker room there's there's one girl with her doing her yeah. makeup and stuff like that but i mean it's not it's no one that she has any significant screen time with the only characters that she consistently has screen time with that are on her side is Lou and his goons yeah and i mean this guy we, I know you don't want to talk about him. Oh, I can't stand him. It's gross. I know we have to talk about him. We can't not talk this, about him. But Lou, I said this when we were watching it, but I was like, Lou is like the most cliched high school bully you could possibly create. And I don't even mean that in a shitty way because it's great, it, it, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he's got some weird affects 
like the smacking on the gum, but even that just seems made to agitate you. He's just sitting there with his weird beady eyes and his unibrow and his buck teeth and his just his weird hair and his tight jeans Ugh. just smacking on gum, looking at you, accosting women, like forcing himself on people. Oh yeah, he's like the grossest human being he's in a, the planet. He's a fucking pig. Mm-hmm. He he's insulting. I can't even imagine like he even has friends. Like the two goons that are with him that have no lines. Um, why would you even hang out with this guy? He's a shit. He's a big shit. And it's like, he he picks up Wendy for prom in his shit box, sucking back cigarettes. His two friends in the back seat, no one is in a, a tie or a tux of any kind. I like how she's waiting for him to open the door. And I'm Wait, like, yeah, what wh- gentleman did you think was going to pop out of the bushes and, and do the gentlemanly thing yeah, for you? Like because he, this guy is not it. He's... He's sucking back a bottle of Jack Daniels and then, like, tries to get her to drink some and then gets annoyed that she won't. And then, as he's peeling out of her driveway, runs the fuck over her garbage. So I was like, like, all of these things together. They go out to a restaurant together. He's leering at the waitress. It's like one of those uh, outside, like, roller rink, like, restaurants or yeah, something like Yeah, like an that. A&W. Like an A&W back yeah. in the day. And, like, he's just staring at her. He's got no money. Uh, when he when she's going to pay for him, then he orders, like, this big fucking meal. It, it's crazy. Um, yeah, he's super filthy and gross. He's super filthy, but he's... I'm surprised he goes to school because he's another one that looks like he's 50 years old. He looks like he's 50 years old. Um, he, he is the guy that introduces, uh, much like Shelly in Friday the 13th Part 3 has to introduce the hockey mask. He introduces the balaclava. The balaclava. Thank you, because I was going to put an the extra sparkly balaclava. The, the, the sparkly balaclava. Now, people who might not know that word, uh, it's the ski mask with like the mouth and the eye holes. But this balaclava is very sparkly, and I've never seen one like that ever in any like any time I've ever seen one in a store. Or I think we had some when I was a kid and stuff like that. They're always just like a flat black or a flat whatever. This is sparkly. I remember being a kid and having friends that had moved over here from England. And when we first met, it was in the summertime or whatever. And into the wintertime, their winter gear was all from England. And uh, they had, I forget what the older brother had, but my friend Ben had a Spider-Man balaclava. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the whole planet. That is cool. I know, right? (laughs) But um, no, I like that it's sparkly. Even though it struck me as a a little bit too, you know... Razzle dazzle for Lou. <laughs> Give him the old razzle dazzle. See exactly, and he's like accosting people in the lunchroom with yeah, us. Like, he's he's force kissing. People. Yeah, this like is what oh, he's doing. so gross, so super gross. Like, like he came up to Jamie in a Lee. Sparkly balaclava. Yeah, he came up. He came up to like Jamie Lee Curtis. Like the last time you saw these characters interact, he's just like strutting down the hallway smoking. He like smacks her butt, and then the next time you see him, he's wearing the balaclava. He's like. What do you think of me now? Like, ew, ew. And then he... <laughs> like, and to then, put it lightly. Yeah. yeah, and then he just like, why don't you taste it? And he's just like, uh, just right up in there. What the fuck was that? Chris, Alex is the only person who's really... I'm not Alex. Um, The brother. Yeah. Yeah, it is Alex. Alex, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Whoa. <clears throat> Alex is the only person that really reacts. That's what I thought was weird. People are kind of shocked, but no one's like... I don't know. No one's really stopping him. 
No, but I feel like it's one of those situations where you're, where you just wouldn't even know how to react. Are they just so used to him being this kind of a? Dick? I guess so. I mean, it's messed up. When Alex sort of comes in there, socks him hard, gets into a big fight. Yeah. They get pulled apart by one of the teachers and then sent to the principal's office. Leslie Nielsen uh, and one of the one of my favorite lines, uh, where where Lou is just like, "Oh, you're gonna go easy on him because he's your son." And, and like he doesn't say that flat out, but he was just like figures. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna like listen to my side of it. And Leslie Nielsen is just like, "What you think? Because uh, he's my son, I'm gonna go easy on him." He's like, "Well, you're absolutely right." And and <laughs> and, and, and he's like, "And you've been nothing but trouble since you got no, here." No, he's been a disgrace to the school and this town. Yeah, which is huge and exactly right. He is a yeah. disgrace to an entire town. This guy. Yeah, I mean, and and so like this is a guy that has been a troublemaker from the get go. So yeah, you're done. He's suspended. Yeah, and he's not like that sexy troublemaker. You know what I mean? He's no, not no. John Travolta in Greece. No, he's no, not, no. You know, from the wrong side of the tracks. No, he's from the wrong side of the like the pig pen. He's, he's like a, the she... most disgusting human being ever. There's not mm. one tiny thing remotely attractive or redeeming about this fucking guy. Yeah, he is a disgrace to the entire town, and you believe it. Yeah, but I mean, if you're if if the if the job of the writers was to like, you're not gonna like this guy. Mission accomplished. I could just see the casting, you know, like guy after guy after guy. And this guy walks in there like, you don't even have to open your mouth. You've got the role. You are perfect. I don't even care if you can talk at this point. You are so perfect just yeah. on looks alone. Yeah. yeah. They, they even do extra little things like put the... He's already gross, right? And they put a patch on the very back of his <laughs> jeans where it's obviously like blown out. And it's like, oh, God, you're just... That is extra gross. Yeah. About but he's gross. he's uh, he's Wendy's muscle in this movie. She's gonna uh, not unlike uh, a John Travolta uh, being used in Carrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou is going to be used to get back at Jamie Lee Curtis. You, I mean, after we've skipped over uh, a plot point, is the idea that um, well, Jamie Lee Curtis is the prom queen, and her boyfriend Nick, who is Wendy's ex boyfriend is the prom king. Well, Wendy does not like that at all. And so there's a very contentious relationship between her and Jamie Lee Curtis. This is how she's going to get back at her. We don't know what she's going to do. Yeah, that's my favorite part, is that we don't really know what, what yeah. her plan it's is. It's not a bucket of blood. But, no, you'd um, like to think it would be, but no. <laughs> um, but you know who's not like that dirty of a character who I thought would be a dirty character, super scuzzy, dirty character, when you first are introduced to him, it's slick. <laughs> you love slick. <laughs> you want to be slick. Admit it. All right. You look I, at him and think he's the shit. If only I had a van. If only I had a big, juicy van with wall-to-wall shag carpeting. So it's not even it's plush. It's fur. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Slick yeah, with like the white leather on the back of the doors and stuff like that. Good yeah. God. So we're introduced to this. Uh, one of the one of the girls um, is leaving, and I can't remember which one it was. Well, I know who it was, but I can't remember what her name was. Kelly. Was it Isn't Kelly? It? There's the two girls. No, this would be Judy because Kelly was the crying one. Right, 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 right. So Kelly is who I love so very much. She's so so precious, like a princess. She is, and yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah, Judy's pretty, pretty, pretty stout, pretty, pretty fine. She's pretty balanced. Yeah. So Judy leaves her house, and it's a vacant street. No sooner does she leave, does this giant van 
just peel around the corner and just drive right to her. Like up on the curb. Up on the curb. (laughs) And this short, stout guy with big glasses and, and wavy hair just hanging off his steering wheel, hanging out the window, looking at her. Hey, you want to ride? Do you want to ride? What? And, and he's like, who are you? And, and she's not instantly mortified. Now, let's go to the 21st century answer to that question is absolutely not. No, but in... And then just walk away. In the, right? the, the lazy, Ooh. hazy, crazy days of 1979, 1980, <laughs> a dude coming up to you like this, he's just like, what's your name? He gives her a name. People call me Slick. <laughs> how old are you, Slick? You know, like, what the fuck how, kind of conversation how, how is this? How old are you, Slick? He's like, old enough. That's not an answer. No. That's not an answer at all. <laughs> like, he doesn't go to their high school. That's your 21st century brain kicking in. Calm yeah. down. And I know. Yeah. But, like, I'm calm. But it's just... And then she's like, I'm going straight to Hamilton High. He's like, straight to Hamilton High. Yeah. And she just gets into the... Yeah, because you're not going to rape me and kill me or anything. Because now we have a deal, right? Because now... Because yeah. you said, I'm getting into your big van... And we're just going to, can you imagine? There's no way. No, how, like, yeah, like, the, the, I, I'm a man of, of, of my time. I cannot fucking fathom how slick, like, drove in his van to some high school girl. I mean, they don't say, like, how old he is. But like I said, he doesn't go to their school. She doesn't know him. Mm-hmm. And it seems like if you're from that town, you probably... All go to the same school. So he either graduated already or he didn't go to school or I don't know. I know. They've got such an insular little world created here that I'm even like having trouble imagining there's another high school in the entire planet, let alone (laughs) one down the road where Um, they, in my mind, I'm like, they should know Slick. This is weird. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like it isn't that weird when you think of like the 60s and 70s. We had the same sort of conversation talking about Tombs of the Blind Dead when she just jumps off the train and goes and sleeps with her bedroll in the tombs. The right? middle of a ruin, like yeah. just jumping off a train and I'm done. Because like there was the lazy, hazy, crazy days um, yeah, back I guess. then. But like even like the Ed Gein's, um one of his more popular victims, that little girl, um, her parents just sent her off with this guy, like this random vagrant when you really look at him, but to them some gentleman showed up and was like i'm just gonna eat dinner at your house and oh you've got a daughter i'm gonna take her to my fictional granddaughter's birthday and they just take off and the parents are like yeah we'll just send him off with this this stranger yeah they're sending their little children off with strangers back then yeah turn of the century so now for some guy to just drive up in a van 60s 70s early 80s isn't like entirely weird because we didn't have that panic. We didn't have the moral panic of the stranger. We didn't, you know, we weren't assuming, we didn't have television telling us that she's going to end up wrapped in plastic on the side of a road or yeah. be dug up out of a out of a body pit five years later. Like she's going to be found on Picton's farm or something. Like, we didn't yeah, have TV yeah. telling us that that's her destination, <clears throat> right? Her destination, as far as we know, in 1980 is fun. That's her destination. Safe fun. She's going to smoke some spliffs and listen to some music. Probably yeah. records. Records, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, little, the little ones. Yeah, um, little 45s. She's going to go and... Oh, uh, yeah. I was talking about like, Meet you know, his parents. Uh, yeah, meet his parents and stuff like that. Like Mr. and Mrs. Slick. 
Um, I was, I was like, they're going to go listen to like, I, you were thinking like listen to records and I was instantly thinking about like, I had uh, records that were like, you read a book along with them when I was a kid. Mm. My <laughs> like, favorite was when the record would come in the book and it was just like cellophane. Right. right. And, yeah. you, and you and you put the book down and you'd read along with the, with the record. I had like gremlins. I had like, like what? That was adorable. Yeah. I had the Gremlins one. We had other ones, too. I think we had a Muppet one, too, but I definitely remember Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, <laughs> so Slick's her date for the prom. She was super excited about it, too. She like she gets a ride to school, and all of a sudden, she has a date. We don't see that interaction. You just see them drive off together. And she lives to tell the tale. And she lives to <laughs> tell the tale. I know. I'd never. Like, I'd never. I couldn't imagine. But it's I'm, fucked up. And, and what's crazy is is that we find out later that Slick's a pretty nice guy. Like yeah. he's a, he's a, yeah, like th- that was just she his move. She won that round of roulette. That was just his move. His move was just like I'm just going to I don't know, I'm going to drive up to this hey, you want to ride. You know, he would if she would have said no, he would have just like pulled him to the very next block and the next girl walking to school. Yeah. Which is why when Jamie Lee Curtis says like we've met and there's no scene where they've been together. Yeah. I I'm just like I was like did he I definitely convinced that he just drove up to her one morning. And yeah, was like, and, and I was like, this is what I do. It's like, yeah. this is about the time all the teenage girls are going to school, so I'm just going to start driving around the I like that Slick is so cool to us, and his introduction is so memorable that even like way later, an hour later in the film, all she has to say is, we've met, and we're like, we know how. We know how, we know how you met Slick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, even when when he introduces them to uh, to Nick, he's like he's like people call me Slick. He's like I see that or I see why or something like that. I see like why. That. I see why. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. Um, His name's Seymour. Is it Seymour? His real name is Seymour. I don't care. It's Slick. That she introduces him as Seymour, and he says people call me Slick. Yeah. Seymour. I like Slick though. Seymour's a good name, but I like Slick. While all this is going on, we're getting creepy phone calls from a killer i like how they do introduce us to the kids that have grown up right yeah in the in turn like that i meant to mention this earlier and got totally sidetracked um (laughs) distracted by slick unfortunately totally Uh, and lou and lou yeah because you mentioned lou and that just totally ruined me for the day and possibly the next month or so yeah but they do the technique of you have a list the killer has a list you don't see the killer but you see a, a a tight shot of the, the pencil and the paper with and their silhouettes names. Silhouettes and stuff, yeah. You um, see the and and then you, he calls them, and then once they answer the phone, you're treated to a flashback of what they look like. So you're like, okay, that was that kid, that's this kid. Um, so you understand who they were in the original sequence that you saw. So it's very clear. Yeah, you learn who's dating who, who just broke up with who, yeah, each, what their parents you do spend, and like. And, and one of the things that I'll really give this movie credit for is you spend enough time, I feel, with the characters to really get their interactions. You, I feel it's not like, I feel like these are fleshed out characters. Yeah, there's no real exposition. The only expo dump is with the... Uh, the child molester that they'd accused of killing the the big red Robin. herring throughout the entire yeah. movie. Yeah, the big red herring that you never actually see. <laughs> kind of cool. I kind of like it as much as it, you know. There is a bit of contention um, about why they did that and how they utilize that. It's true. I, I think once. I, I mean, you did. Point I like out, that you never see him. You, you don't. Yeah. Uh, you are. There's a whole section of this movie where police officers are tracking a killer that I suppose you would assume is the killer. 
but you probably would get the inclination, even when I saw this movie the first time I remember, I was like, I'm getting the inclination that it's not him just because there's no context to it. If they're trying to just say, oh, is this just a random killer? Well, I would only buy that. It's happenstance of the nurse being found in the abandoned asylum. True. But the, the only thing that made me think that it wasn't him initially watching the movie for the first time, I'll remember this, is because I had thought, well, if it's him, why is he calling specific children by name? Was he there when it happened? Maybe that's what they were trying to imply? Yeah, he, like, he, if if the children's story were to be believed, and if everyone really thought it was him, he would be mad at those kids. Mm-hmm for pegging him with this crime mm-hmm. uh he since he didn't commit it he wouldn't have known that they were there though yeah at all at all at all at all yeah so it, it is a little confusing but i mean that is what they've offered in this movie is a bit of a misdirect to and also to, to pad out some time i just feel upon third and fourth watchings of this movie it's a lot of time dedicated to that but it is a lot of time because it's supposed to seem really important. It serves to make you believe that he must be back for some sort of revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do our, their secondary red herring is the groundskeeper. Oh, I love him so very much. <laughs> He's like the groundskeeper in pieces, which I really want to watch again. Although the groundskeeper in pieces is as amplified and over the top as Lou is as a bully. So yeah. where Lou is this over amplified bully <clears throat> That you just hate. The groundskeeper in pieces is even more so. It's insane what a huge red herring they try to make him be. Where, same as the groundskeeper in Prom Night, you're convinced immediately that it's not them. Because why would they be directing your attention to him in that way? Mm-hmm. It can't be him. It's absolutely not him. Those oh, yeah. Like, I've definitely seen, great. I've definitely seen enough horror in my day to know that when you see the creepy groundskeeper <laughs> just like hunched over and staring with his mouth open at all these teenagers, it's not him. There's no way it's him. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, either nothing's going to happen with this character, we'll never see him again, he's going to be, he's going to turn up dead at the last minute, or he's going to like save the day. Like there's, there's, yeah, totally. there's, there's no, there's he's no... an undercover cop. <laughs> Pulls off his glasses and like pull. He just like shoves oh. his tongue back in his mouth. Stands up straight. And he's like super handsome. I'm like, oh my god, that's a fucking dude, a man of wax. Yeah, like when you were like, if when I when you first watched this, if it was that guy was a killer, you would be so pissed. Off. You would be pissed yeah. because. I That's would, just insulting your intelligence. I'd be like, come on. Like, what is it? Like, I, I was saying, like, you're going to have, like, what's next? You're going to, here's your, you're going to make a burglar character. He's going to have, like, the striped shirt and the domino mask with a sack of money over his back with a dollar sign on it. It's like, hey, guys, this is our burglar character. Too subtle? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, too subtle. Too subtle. <laughs> he needs to walk on tiptoes and sneak in the shadows. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, now we got it. Now they might know he's a burglar if they're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's just for the intellectuals to, to, to see between the lines. <laughs> I fucking love that groundskeeper. He's so creepy. He's super creepy. The The kids are getting stalked throughout their day in really weird ways. Like, th- their yearbook photos have been ripped out and put on the interiors of the lockers. Uh, some glass gets broken. You're not really sure how. Some kind of like a gun or a, a 
uh, airsoft gun or something broke the glass. You don't know. And everyone's just sort of getting ready for prom. Everyone's super psyched for it. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis has a whole dance routine that she has to practice. There's a lot of pageantry in this prom, which makes me confused. But I suppose, I mean, like, if someone were to tell me that I was going to prom as prom king, that would be a personal nightmare for me. Only because the idea of that much attention lavished on me at once, I would probably turn inside out and vanish. If someone was telling me that I was going to prom right there, I'd start laughing and probably die from it. (laughs) But if someone was like, oh, by the way, Wes, you're going to be prom king. I'm like, I don't know about that. It's like, you have to learn a dance routine. (laughs) I would immediately disintegrate into ash. Yeah. (laughs) But like you said, you know, like graduation and stuff isn't necessarily like that, especially not now. Like you guys... um, had your prom at like the Lord Elgin or something. If you yeah, recall, yeah. Something I, I like can't. That. I think it was the Lord Elgin uh, downtown Ottawa. There was no, there was like no special dance. There was no crowning mm. of anybody. There was mm, no, you no. Know, red carpets and everyone. Like everyone's dressed up. It's fancy. How was the light show? Uh, non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Squeaky voice. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I never went to anything like that. I could care less about going to things like that. But I've never heard tell of crownings and special dances and stuff like that. You want me to take you to prom, Lydia? Absolutely. We'll we'll decorate my apartment with streamers, and uh, and uh, you know I'll 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 fasten you a dress out of a garbage bag that I got under the sink, and I might go along with half of that if you dump a giant bucket of blood on me. No, no, <laughs> fuck it then. Nope, not happening. Yeah, no, fuck that stuff. Um, is my one eyebrow up high enough? <laughs> my, my face hurts. <laughs> I'm a little fucking smiling too much. It's too funny to me. Where the fuck were we? Prom and pageantry, learning a dance. Right, so... See, this is where I'm really excited, not for prom. What's that? I'm really excited for learning what the fuck Wendy's big plan is. That's true, because she keeps alluding to it. She does say that she doesn't want to hurt anybody. And, and Lou's, wondering... Lou's like, this is your idea, right? Remember, this is all your plan. Like, he seems almost reluctant to go through with this. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Um, when you find out what it is, I'd be reluctant to, but whatever. Because it's dumb. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. It's like, of all the things in this movie, <laughs> I was just like, that's your big fucking plan? Yeah. Um, we'll get to it. Yeah. But first, um, once prom starts, all the players show up. Leslie Nielsen is dancing with his daughter. It's actually pretty cute because um, he's really bad at dancing. But, you know, it's dad dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I buy it. Guess and so. And, um... Uh, and then we're treated to a very lengthy dance sequence between Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick. And let me tell you something. In any other movie, and I've complained about this before uh, in movies that we've done, I'm not going to complain about this dance sequence. I love this dance sequence. I love the song that plays Prom Night, uh, the titular title track um interesting thing about the uh, the music in this flick they originally were going to do a bunch of disco hits from the era (laughs) once the bgs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. once they got the bill 
for what it would cost to get the license to have that music in their movie, which was more than the movie was even going to cost. Well, then they put it on their music guide to compose original disco songs to to sound like the hits that which was is going done on. all the time yeah for yeah. sure and so the song one of the songs that they came there's there's a couple of songs that I, I really like the soundtrack of this movie across the board there's no song that i don't like but i love prom night i love that song i could not remember any of the songs <clears throat> except love me to death is one love of the songs I find that's yeah. kind of interesting yeah, one. lyrics anyway uh but yeah the prom night song is pretty cool it's so good and they're just this dance goes on for a Bit. It does, and I am normally bored by it. But Jamie Lee Curtis, she's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's man. I Jamie watch her forever. Curtis. She's got moves. She I looks like her. absolutely fabulous. Yeah, and she's such a great dancer. But I still kept comparing it to crap dancing stuff from like Saturday Night Fever and yeah, um, the dancing I'm... in the total opposite type of really somber and trippy acid lighting dancing from Carrie. Yeah, I mean this movie had a lot of that in it mm-hmm. for sure. Kind of like um, it was very much it, like there was it wasn't it's got a different plot than Carrie a hundred percent oh totally but but be, the idea of like high schoolers going to prom this is almost like because it's not a comedy but it's a less serious Carrie it is it's a, a the hip and fun Carrie <clears throat> yeah the hip and fun way. I like that yeah the hip and fun Carrie from nineteen eighty from nineteen eighty so once the the murder starts happening the movie really ramps up first victim is well, your favorite. My favorite. <laughs> Wasn't she? Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah. She, she's so cute. She's about to uh, go all the way with her boyfriend. Uh, she puts a stop to that. Yeah, he's been trying the whole movie to get her. Trying, trying to have sex with her. Um, I'm no Casanova. But if you're trying to have some naked time with your lady, my only advice would be to not try to have her first sexual experience in a high school change room surrounded by like sweaty jocks yeah like you're like and the, like jock straps not the jocks but like it's just a th- slab of wood that people's balls have been on yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like you want to sleep on that yeah it's like oh yeah this is romantic no it's not it's opportunistic and it's gross and then she doesn't she's not having it um i feel so bad because like she seems half into it, too, as into it as she's ever been in the, the half, course half, of us knowing her. Half into it, a little hesitant. It is important to her. And then he just drops the line of, like, what are you, some fucking fairy tale princess? He just gets mad. And fairy then- tale princess. No, yeah, maybe she's not a fairy tale, fairy tale princess and doesn't need, like, a castle and, like, you know, ladies in waiting and a carriage to bring her there to his, like, a waiting penis. But yeah. she'd like a fucking bed. Or a a bed? Or, like, maybe- the back of a car. Yeah, something, something something better than just like a fucking bench in a change room during prom. I was like, you know, I, I, like, I don't know. I, I, like, honestly, of all of the people, I felt the worst for her. Not when she died, but when like just you know, she looked so crushed and like she really liked this guy and just the flower in her hair and she looked so cute. And then it was just like, now she's so sad because you're a dick. I was just so mad. I was just like, and, and then like his mic drop. Of, of, like, walking out the road, uh, I'm sorry, the road, walking out the door, turning back around, taking the flower out of his jacket and just throwing it down on the ground. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because he's going to go and find someone who will. That's just it. I was just like, well, if you won't do it, I know plenty of I was like, oh, my God. She, uh, she gets it immediately afterwards, getting her throat cut. 
one of the more graphic deaths. Sort of. I felt that you didn't really see a lot. Because it is all slow-mo and kind of grainy and stuff like that. Well, that's true. I mean, you see your body afterwards. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, later on, the discovery, I really like That's a really discovery. good shot. Um, but, yeah, it is It is a pretty picturesque death. And it's nice because she kind of is spared the graphic detail at that point. Because she is a fairy tale princess. I think she's really pretty and very sweet. Yeah, I think so, too. The next up... Just shitty tasting guys, but yeah. The next, the next sequence is like one of my favorite sequences in the entire movie, where it's slick. Because you just love slick. Maybe maybe I just want to be slick because I'm just like, God (laughs) damn it! You think I could get people to start calling me slick? Think that would work? No, man, please don't. No, 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 please, no. It's (laughs) it's so not you. No, not you. I'll stick with that air. So, (laughs) are you getting a van? Do you think if I get a van, I could call myself slick? Do you think? Do you think so? You'd have to do something else with your hair. Well, actually, you'd have to do nothing with your hair. That's the slick thing well, to Well, I, I could slick it back, and that's why I'm slick. No, wait. I want to be slick because I'm slick with the ladies. Yeah, yeah. They don't want you to think, yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. That's Sorry, I got that all mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work on this we'll slick work, thing, yeah. We'll workshop it. Jesus. We'll workshop me being slick. But no, it is it is a really set up death. And you mentioned while we're watching it that it's even from the beginning, there's little subtle things put in place. There's subtle things put in place to make sure that the death is believable and not contrived mm-hmm. um him and judy have slept together and instead of being slept together slept together you put it down nicely they're banging like fucking animals they were banging with animals yeah. she was really into it she really enjoyed oh, it totally and, and it was their first time. and it was their first time him too which i find hard to believe i don't believe because it. he has a carpeted van who has a carpeted van who's like, uh, just looking for the right lady. <laughs> looking for Mrs. Right. And just like pulling up uh, on the street side. Maybe. Picking maybe, up chicks. Like maybe he was just like, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> like, it was the first time it ever worked. But he's actually like, at that point, he's like, he's a nice guy. Like he, he's genuinely. Yeah, he's not creepy like Lou or anything no, like he's that. Not he's creepy. not as he's bad not, as Kelly's boyfriend yeah, at he's all. Not, he's not kicking her out of the van or anything like that. Like he's still. Wants to hang out with her and wants to go back. Uh, they want to keep sleeping together. Um, he's got like his 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 fake book full of joints, like so many joints. And uh, but he mentions after they have sex that um, his glasses broke, uh, and so he's not wearing his glasses anymore, and so his vision is severely impaired. Just when they're sort of settling down for, you know, just smoking a joint and maybe going for another round, the door swings open. She gets instantly killed. Now it's Slick's time to shine, in which he can't because he can't really see. He gets into his van and tries to drive away. The killer, very athletic and, and fast. Not unlike, uh, it really reminded me of the sequence in The Town of the Dreaded Sundown that we had just watched recently, where he's trying to essentially get into the van. This guy, on the other hand, unlike Town of the Dreaded Sundown, uh, this guy gets right into the van uh, multiple times, almost swings out, gets back in. Slick is just sort of driving around. I mean, they're in a... a a clearing, like in a field or something. So, I mean, the van doesn't have a lot of good traction anyways. It's a clearing and it's not that far from the school really either because it seems really, really isolated where they are, but you can hear the school bell ring because that's where they were on lunch break the day before. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. And yeah. and so that's, oh, it's by a cliff. Slick ain't too slick behind the wheel this time and he meets his demise. And I almost, I feel like he was too perfect to live. I feel like Slick was a man... That could only exist in the 10-year span of the 1970s. I feel like if he kept driving around in vans trying to pick up girls 
into the 80s. Like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't like, want to see the adult version of Slick. You know? No, like, Once... I, I feel I, I feel like he, he just, he peaked. There was nothing else left for him to do. Mm-hmm. His ridiculous plush van and him went up in flames. Like, he had another fake book full of dynamite sticks. Because, <laughs> like, cars or vans don't explode like that. Oh, yeah, no, it went off like crazy. It was ridiculously explosive. <laughs> yeah. Then we're treated to... Treated? Yeah, I treated. We're treated a to treat. a, a very long cat and mouse game between the killer and Wendy. Which almost seems like a letdown after that very spectacular death and the very cool setup between... This is very basic. Judy and Slick the killer, yeah. This is a very basic stalk and, and stab scenario. Usually something reserved for someone in Jamie Lee Curtis's point. Someone yeah. you care about. Someone who you don't want to get hurt. Someone that when they're drawing it out like that, you're very tense and, and want it to come to an end soon. But Yeah, typically speaking, characters in horror films like Wendy's, the asshole archetype characters... Usually their deaths are reserved for the most gruesome deaths mm-hmm. or usually deaths uh, resulting in their own cowardice or callousness. Or just really quick, careless deaths. Yeah. Um, I, uh, usually deaths like that that you're supposed to be like, good, I hated that guy. Like that's like mm-hmm. that's the, the usually the deaths like that that are uh, reserved for her characters this time very much. So it's a it's a very slow burn where she is being chased throughout the rest of the school, which is interesting everyone else everything else has been pretty much focused on the like the 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 gymnasium the lunchroom uh that kind of stuff this is the first time that we really see a lot of the school through the hallways the science labs the gym like like an unoccupied gym where she falls on like those big squishy blue mats and then she eventually ends up in a closet and then she encounters uh another body and uh and then she just sort of meets her end it's a very oh into the auto shop area too which i thought was interesting i was like man as if this high school has like a an auto shop. We had an auto shop in my high school. Really? I yeah. didn't. We had like a like a woodworking shop, but we didn't have like... You could kill all kinds of people, all kinds of different ways in there. <clears throat> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but she really just kind of uses it as an opportunity to try to hide in a car. And I was like, and I was like, not only that, I was like, there's got to be something in there, Wendy, that you could hit him with. Yeah. Like there's... There's, there's all kinds of things. Like there's got to be like a wrench or something, like... Even just a d- discarded pipe or something. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's like you're in, you're in an auto shop. There's there's big heavy pieces of metal. I don't know. That's just you like, could just get an oxyacetylene torch and and have a little flamethrower. There you That'd go. That'd be fun. There you go. That's that's always uh, <laughs> you'd be good if you're getting chased in a horror movie. Um, yeah. And then while all this is going on, we finally get the big revelation, the thing that we've all been waiting for, Lydia. What the fuck was this plan? Yeah. It's not a bucket of blood because you're thinking like if it's a bucket of blood, guys. Oh I've my seen god! That's <clears throat> it's this is like since this is like the hipper, funner, version of Carrie, <laughs> it'd have to be like a bucket of syrup, a bucket of syrup, a bucket of sparkles and intestines, Bee Gees CDs, well cassettes, Just records, the Bee Gees Whoa. heads. <laughs> That'd be cool. The Bee Gees. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. So the plan. From what I understand, and there may have been more to it. It's the old switcheroo. It's the old switcheroo. So Nick's getting ready to be prom king, and he's got the crown on his head, and he's just waiting. wait, Basically waiting for his cue. Yeah, they're in the wings. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, he's waiting in the wings. Kim's for... on one side, and yes. she has her crown on, and her back to 
all the pageantry in her entrance way. Yeah. And he's on the other side, uh, waiting stage left. Yeah. And he has his crown on and likewise isn't facing any of the action. Mm-hmm. So Lou, like a like like a ninja, comes out of nowhere and like a big fat, slobbery, <laughs> gross, portly ninja. Smacking on gum. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> um gets the drop on Nick, knocks him out. Him and his buddies uh, strip him of his jacket, uh, and then Lou puts it on and puts the crown on. They tie up Nick and kind of just shove him in a in a corner, tape up his mouth. And now Lou is just waiting, and he and I guess the plan is like I'm going to beat up Nick and knock him out, and then I'm going to be the prom king with Jamie Lee Curtis. And so when everyone sees that I'm on the stage, they'll see that I'm not Nick and profit. <laughs> like, I don't. I know, right? Like, like, I don't. It'll be so embarrassing. It'll be so embarrassing. I'm like, yeah, Lou, it'll be great. When they essentially, everyone looks at you, doesn't know where Nick is. They go in the back and look for him and they haul your ass out of here. By the way, there's police there. Yeah. And he's already been suspended, so now this is trespassing. Yeah. So, so this is not funny. It's not a funny, like, it's I, not like, effective. I, I don't even get what the hell. This like, is so Wendy can be like, don't date my ex-boyfriend. This will show, it's like, oh, fuck? you thought you were going to be like prom king and queen and my ex-boyfriend was going to be your prom king? Well, guess what? This big stupid gorilla is your <laughs> prom king. That's not how it works. It's not like, well, see, so I'm the prom king now. Now what, you're going to date Lou and she's going to get back <laughs> to her boyfriend? Yeah. Like, you're going to see him smacking his gum in that ridiculous gold crown, and you're going to be like, oh, I never noticed how kingly he was before. Do me, Lou. Like, it's not that. <laughs> that like, the, it's, like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. At least the blood bucket in Carrie was, it's a very, that's to humiliate yeah. her and disgust her and look. And everyone's going to, they're all going to laugh at you. Like, that. Yeah. Right? Um, This, it's just like. I feel like... And it ties into her period, because that was the, the ultimate fucking embarrassment. The yeah, ultimate right. But yeah, this um, ties into nothing. It ties into absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I feel like if I was attending that prom, I think it would take me a full five to ten minutes to realize that that's not what was supposed to have happened. Like, because I just <laughs> Who's feel that like, guy? Whatever. Oh, that's not supposed to be the guy? Okay, whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, that, that or how many people there actually know all the intricities of their relationships? Exactly. Like, nobody knows that. Yeah. Like, what is, oh, ha, 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 ha. Like, you know, and like, Lou is sitting there, like, he's so fucking, like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. Like, fuck, it's stupid. Yeah. So, uh, he signs his own death warrant, though, because now the killer thinks that that's Nick. And so swings his trusty axe true and straight and decapitates Lou. And his head just goes sailing down the runway, for lack of a better expression. And now you have disco music, bright lights... Yeah, because no one's working the DJ booth, so no the music's all fucked up, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's the best, one of the most fun and quick decapitations, and that axe worked wonders. What yeah, I need, what a, what a what a great axe! Because I was yeah, thinking that perfect I, was, axe. I, I, was like, I need to know where he got that axe and who sharpened it. Because oh, oh my god, they did a good job. But it was it was crazy, and that's a really great looking prosthetic head. It was really it was all all around. It was great. I'd like to think I'd, I don't know because I've never seen the features or anything like that. Um, it was probably not even 
like like sailing through the air we kind of get it in silhouette Mm -hmm. and rolling down the thing it's blurry it could be the ugliest head ever Mm -hmm. but when he's there i bet you the actors underneath the catwalk i thought with just makeup on his neck because it looks so good i really like that decapitated head and i like that it takes everyone a few seconds because they're like yeah prom here comes the king queen wait what's happening what's that thing i don't even know yeah they they stand there for a few minutes before they start screaming and then we panic and then it's interesting because what happens next is very quick, really quick. Considering how long it takes for Slick and Duty to die, considering how long it takes for him to stalk and kill Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is is uh, our uh, balaclava-wearing killer has swung the axe and decapitated Lou. While he did that, the axe hit a bunch of cables on the wall that Lou is standing next to and shocks the killer. Um, it knocks him on his ass and takes him out for a, a bit long enough for Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Nick. It's pretty he, realistic. Have you ever been electrocuted like that? I've never been electrocuted that severely. I've been... It does pretty much the exact same thing. Really <clears throat> accurate. Yeah, so it knocks him on his ass. He uh, Enough for Jamie Lee Curtis to, to sort of get Nick situated. He's very hurt um, from getting knocked out. And so they're trying to get away. And then kind of comes the final showdown between these two characters, or these three characters. The killer is very fixated on killing Nick and just wants Jamie Lee Curtis's character out of the way. He doesn't really turn on her. He doesn't strike her or anything. No, he shoves her to the ground, but that's about it. There's a struggle ensuing. Uh, Nick tries to fight back. The, The killer is very agile and very quick. There's not a lot of aggression. And the interesting thing that I mentioned while we were watching it, I was like, he seems like so, I wouldn't say bad at killing because he does kill people. Mm-hmm. But he it's just not experienced. Like, he seems to just kind of be making it up as he goes along. Yeah, he it's forgets. not like he's reluctant. Like, no. he definitely is driven by passion, but he doesn't have that same sort of drive. It's not a physical drive. Yeah, it's not. there's not the ferocity that you see in some sort of mass killer movies. There's not the ruthless efficiency that you'll see in others. Like, this guy, he falls... He um, fucks he doesn't up. have that plotting confidence either. But yeah, yeah, he he forgets his weapons like in the like in a very with the axe that with was the funny. axe he smashes the axe gets stuck and goes after Wendy and is like whoa, whoa. and then he like has to go back he's like I need that I need that for the murder I'm trying to do um, <laughs> um, you know uh, but eventually Jamie Lee Curtis gets a hold of the axe and cracks him in the head with it. Not with the with the business end, but I think it's with like the blunt side. Like it, I don't think. I mean, this is an axe that literally just like lopped a guy's head off. Like it was. It's super sharp. Yeah, she could have taken half his head off with one little um, glancing blow. And then once the killer has been rocked that hard, they look into each other's eyes, and oh, she she recognizes. Yeah, them. right away, and it's it's really really sad. Actually. It's super sad because you could see once he realizes that she recognizes him. He just looked, it's like hurt and shame and all that emotion welling up. He immediately disengages and tries to get away. But I mean, she hit him pretty hard. Yeah. So he's not only stunned from being electrocuted because like he does bounce back from being electrocuted and knocked out because it would basically knock him out for a second. And he does like have some explosive energy Mm -hmm. during the fight scene. But yeah, once... All of his uh, energy's been tapped. 
and his emotional energy has been tapped now that she's realized who it is and he's bleeding from the side of his head like of course he's pretty much ready to collapse mm-hmm. um he manages to stumble his way outside everyone from prom is there the police are there uh you think that they're going to light him up yeah there's a cop holding the gun at him everyone's screaming um and then jamie lee curtis bursts out and says don't hurt him and he collapses she cradles him in his arm pulls all the while having flashbacks to the death of robin to, to the death of robin and and then pulls the the mask off and it's her brother um and i and i can tell you and I, and and maybe some people watch this movie and they get that right away they they discovered that but i doubt it uh, but even I remember watching this for the first time up until the fucking moment they pulled that mask off. I had no idea who the killer actually was. I didn't think it was the groundskeeper and I didn't think it was like that psycho killer. I, I was like, but it was like, I had no other options. I had no, I was, I was well, like, like, you totally forgot that Alex existed. That was the thing. I was like, this character throughout the movie, he has a presence, but he's so reserved um, but not to the point where it's it's stupid, where you're like, what? Like the character that... They always hate, uh, hate, but I always get kind of frustrated with, with whodunit killer movies where you see the killer for like five minutes or two minutes at the very beginning of a movie and then at the last minute of a film, they're like, it was them. I'm just... And, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, but like, you know, he was dangled very delicately under our noses the entire time, but so in the background. And he had such a, a when he was interacting with people that he cared about, he, he was a very normal guy that was yeah, very friendly. totally and innocuous. Like and he had no real ill will against anybody except Lou, <clears throat> but that was warranted. And even so, complete, like it was completely called for, but he, uh, he didn't seem like apologetic. No. But he, he, I don't know, he didn't really have much emotion about it. No, he he was definitely like a quieter guy. Um, you know, head he was wasn't always enraged. kind of looking down. Like you know, it, even when you saw him be violent in the movie before, he was defending his sister from getting fucking accosted. face raped. Yeah, face raped. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. But it was yeah, such like a it was scene. gross. Um, yeah. yeah, but like, and so it's completely justified. And so you find out that when everyone else left, he stayed behind, and he saw that they responsible for the death and so the interesting thing that you can think about when you realize that is all of these people these these children that were responsible for this death now becoming adults and dealing with that for about a decade about the guilt that they'd be feeling you had another character that knew they all did it yeah and not only did they know that they had he knew that they had this shared secret that they had killed somebody but that it was his sister. So how he kept quiet and what that would do to somebody mentally. And and they and they say, like psychologically, when people experience trauma, it takes a few years for it to become a genuine psychosis. Yeah. Like so And he was very, very young and, and perhaps if if I'm right and they were twins, it's an even deeper connection he had with her. They seemed to in and about the same age, but it's hard to really say. Um it's not really said how old he is. I would buy that. They I mean they were dressed the same, they looked about the same age and he was definitely younger. This wasn't his senior prom. He was just he was doing the music. And and that was the weird thing. It was like you forget about him because he is 
He has a couple of scenes. Well, I mean, he doesn't have a couple. He's more than a couple of scenes. He's got a bunch of scenes yeah. at the beginning of the movie and the midway point of the movie. And then they keep, he becomes more and more of a background presence. But you're so distracted by all this other stuff that's going on. And he's always been a background presence from the moment of that death. And later on, he's helping her, his sister get dressed for prom. Like he's not attending prom necessarily. He's taking a background behind the scenes position in prom. Yeah. And who knows what else he's done in all that time to just sort of you know, melt into the shadows like he always has. Yeah, and then just this anniversary of the death and maybe even the point that Jamie Lee Curtis made about the fact that, you know, this would have been her first prom. And now you're all going to, this is going to be a lot of your last prom in more ways than one. And because, I mean, you're either going to graduate or I'm going to kill you. Um, And so you've robbed... Robin of that experience and I just can't take it anymore I buy that and I love that yeah yeah me too yeah. me too so I mean I'm weirded out acutely in a way with Alex um not that typically like unfortunately typically in some horror films these people usually have something wrong with them Alex seems to have nothing necessarily wrong with him and that's why he melts into the background so very well because he mm-hmm. is really normal well adjusted he's not like over emotional he's just a friendly, helpful little fella. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two scenes where they just sort of hint at his homosexuality, and that's something that would be blown out of proportion in a well. Or a, that's something that would be blown out of proportion in a more poorly written movie. But this is so very well written that they make that joke. Um, Alex jokes about. Um, oh no. What's his name? Nick. 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 When he's like, okay, now kiss the prom queen. And he's like, it's my sister. And he's like, it's okay. And he gives her a peck on the cheek. He's like, and now the king. And Alex right away is like, on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> on the mouth. And it's just ha ha ha. It's it, not like, they don't draw a lot of attention to it. But it's one of the funniest jokes in the whole film. And then later on, when Kim is like teasing him and putting perfume on him as a joke. And he's like, don't, I'm going to smell like the girl's bathroom. And he's like, she, she makes a joke about how much time he spends in the girl's bathroom. And he sort of looks at her like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's like, well, how much time does he spend in the girl's washroom? Yeah. It's... But no one like really, it's not drawn attention to. And it's not that they're saying that his latent homosexuality has anything to do with his sister's death. But it is so, that sort of device is hinted toward, which is used in horror quality horror yeah that's something that we're used to Mm -hmm. so for those people's minds that are jumping to the cliche it's like here's a tiny suggestion in a harmless actually kind of funny way Mm -hmm. of that cliche that you feel you need but it also seems very real i mean super real like like one of the things that i have to say about this dialogue and like the acting across the board i mean a they had a bunch of like new actors that had a lot of them just coming out of like theater school and stuff like that and of course you had jamie lee curtis who's completely on point then you pack this movie full of veteran canadian actors that they Mm -hmm. just had at the ready because they were filming in toronto i mean like like everything across it like everything is handled so well in this movie everyone's so believable the dialogue is really good i mean the um, setting is absolutely impeccable. The score, the music, it's all great. Yeah, like everything, lighting, everything yeah. in this movie is really, really on point. Yeah, th- this this is easily one of my favorite slashers of all time. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is how you can forget how good it is because I did. I I, I had seen this movie a while ago, and then uh, I was just randomly shopping for movies like I do, and I was like, oh, I'll pick this up on Blu-ray. 
and I did. And then I, I immediately got home and I was like, I'm going to watch this now. And then I watched it. And, I, and like, honestly, by the end of it, I was like, I can't believe how good this is. Like the same when I hadn't watched it for decades, probably like 20 million years. 20 million years. Yeah. And so. then I watched again and I was like, why don't I watch this once a year? Yeah, Why not? This is such an awesome movie. It's so good. Yeah, it was about two years ago that I'd rediscovered it, so to speak, because I hadn't watched it. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't even know when, like eighty nine, ish, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that long ago. Eighty nine, you say? On VHS. Really? Definitely. Wow. Oh yeah, rented it from a video store down the road. <laughs> I did. Because <laughs> well, that's, that's what we did back then. I'm not so young. Like, I'm not that much younger than you. Like, so, I mean, I, I went to video stores. I read about them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. On the internet. <laughs> I'm going to stab you with my pencil. <laughs> oh, my God. What about my aspirations to becoming the modern-day slick? Uh, I'll let you live. I want to see this unfold and laugh at you. As I'm arrested time. instantaneously? I'm like, it's, gonna, it's literally going to be like... There's a guy that's like a slick blue combo that's uh, accosting women on the buses. Ew, Yeah, he's really? like patting their butts and telling them they're hot and asking them to come home with him and stuff. Oh, yeah. Ew. They should post someone posted a picture of him and he's pretty much, he looks a lot like Lou. Oh, my God. And people, other people are just like, he's like, friends call me slick. I don't know. I, I, I'd love to know now, but probably. <laughs> Fuck, that's gross. How about we just never say slick again? Oh, I don't pout. <laughs> it's powerless here you know that no it's not powerless i mean i'm just saying like i could come up with like a new similar nickname slippery <laughs> slippy slip i don't yeah. like no come on do a barrel roll <laughs> and on that note i'm last night and i'm typical lydia and you've been listening to dead air <laughs>